This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Kim Nicholas Stevens is fast becoming our favorite author during South Africa's COVID-19 lockdown. She has given us the top 10 middle-class quarantine categories, a hilarious depiction of how confusing level four actually is, the beauty truths of the burbs during the lockdown, the runners versus smokers debacle, and she's even weighed in hilariously about how everyone in South Africa has suddenly become an expert on nearly everything. But these are only the pieces of writing that we found. South Africans have a way of getting through the toughest times, usually with a side dish of humor. And Kim's writing is on point. Kim has permitted Good Things Guy to post her pieces on the website. And now I'm flipping excited to have her on the Good Things Guy jackpot so I can figure out where she's come from, where this humor comes from, and when can we buy her flipping book. Kim, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for supporting me with the republication of those pieces to date. It's been great working with you. Kim, I know of you because we'd written a story quite a few years ago where you'd done something quite beautifully with charity or something had happened. I'm not entirely sure and I'm not going to bring that up here. I feel like you've just popped out of nowhere and you've become one of the funniest things during the COVID-19 lockdown in South Africa. Where are you from? Where did you just appear from? My biggest worry is that I'm not going to be funny outside of a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) It's been such a wild ride. I I have a history in PR and in promotions. And I've, for the last six years, specialized in sports promotion, which is obviously not an ideal place to be in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, So as many are, I've had to kind of pivot and reinvent and rethink the way that that I see my work and that I see my future. Writing has always been a massive part of who I am and what I love. And I think, yeah, the sort of the irony of where we are and how we respond to crisis is always quite fascinating. So I've spent a lot of time reading other people's rants and debates and all the beautiful help that we've also witnessed around us. And yeah, I just tried to make sense of it all through humorous pieces, which clearly have hit a note. I think we all need laughter now more than most things. A hundred percent. And it is the way that South Africans get through mostly everything, whether it's good or bad. We somehow find something to laugh at and then we move forward. For me, you came up on the radar with the 10 middle class quarantine categories. Did you post some pieces before then? No, that was the first one. And to be honest, the first week or two of lockdown, I really battled. I think I went into um, the same sort of space that many did, a bit of a hole, very, very worried about how my kids and their education would be affected, very worried about the bank balance, very nervous for my parents who are over 60 and all the stats internationally looked looked scary. Um, And so I went into a bit of a hole and then I just became amused by the different categories of of individuals that I I witnessed on my social media feeds. Obviously, the algorithms feed us what is most relevant to our own lifestyle. So I write and respond generally to the middle-class South Africans. And I was just, you know, seeing the hysterical banana bread obsession that came up in our early days of lockdown, the panic around how far the stockpiled wine would last, the motivators 
telling us that this this pandemic, this lockdown would definitely be the best thing that's happened to our generation. The philosophers telling us that COVID-19 had come in to slow our souls. And then there were the doomers, you know, that kind of gave us the absolute worst case scenario every single day, just shared the stats, gave us the death stats. And I had to block a lot of that because I think we've got to keep our mental health um, right up there at the moment. Otherwise, it's going to overwhelm us. So that it was my first piece and it was just sort of personal musings and published that and then a whole lot of new followers arrived and started encouraging me to write more. And so it sort of spiraled from there. It's been fun. Did you think that it would be picked up? Did you think that people would love it and that it would be shared a million billion times and that people would be copying and pasting your words into random WhatsApps that were being sent to family groups? It's the most craziest thing to have watched it on the sidelines to see your writing just explode. Did you expect any of that? Um, no, I didn't. Um, you mentioned a piece of writing I did a few years ago, and it was a once-off, and it was the biggest learning curve I've had in terms of personal growth. It was actually a letter to, to the then president, and it, I learned a lot about sort of innuendo and my privilege, and it was, it was heavily shared, and I had a lot of offline debates around that, but it's the only time I've experienced that kind of interaction with the mass of individuals. So no, I didn't, I expected my friends to get a kick out of it because I kind of depicted a lot of them in the categories I wrote about and they did. And my friends and I have been able to have a good laugh about all those categories, but no, I had no sort of inkling that it would blow up the way it did. And the, the messages offline have been really interesting and quite hysterical and the debate and encouragement online has been wonderful. I love that. I love that it's been positive. A lot of the time, social media can be like a minefield because you just don't know what you're going to get back. And sometimes people can be absolutely disgusting in, in sort of commenting or having these discussions because they almost think that they're anonymous. So it's really, it's really great to hear that the feedback has been positive. And it should be because it's so funny and it makes, us, it makes us see a lighter side of life. Tell me the second piece of writing then. How did you decide to move from one topic, which was the, the middle class, to sort of the next, which was when, if I get it right, it was when level four was announced and everybody was confused, right? Um, I think we spoke about, I can't remember now if it was Beauty and the Burbs or, or the lockdown confusion, but the lockdown confusion, um, that was universal. It was so relatable. Everyone was debating. And I think on every single WhatsApp group and every single community page, the number of level four rules that got shared supposedly leaked where we've had the first wave of like this is how it's going to be and then we mass shared this leaked document that turned out to be completely fundamentally wrong anyway which you know has been the sort of story of this whole lockdown and we've got a, a government trying their best to stay ahead of the, the pandemic and make the right decisions and then we've got mass communication failure on sort of down the line and, and people sharing fake news and it just you know went a little bit wild and for a while we weren't sure what this exercise with restrictions would be. That, that seemed to be the biggest thing that people were debating, certainly on my feed, because we we're athletes or aligned to the sports industry. So we, we kind of thought, well, and eventually I had this picture of myself being permitted to do 10 lunges in front of my garage door on bin day. And at that stage, we were told we could smoke. And I haven't smoked for decades, but I thought if they tell me I can smoke, if it's, if it's something, you know, sort of a reward for level four, then maybe, hell, I must go out there and buy a box of cigarettes. So I had this vision of me in a towel and gown with a cigarette hanging out the corner of my mouth, doing my permitted lunges in front of the garage door. Of course, that changed, and then the smokers were upset, and we had to write about that too because it, it ended up being smokers versus joggers. And at the moment, the joggers are 
we're in the lead, you know, in terms of privilege. <laughs> I love your sense of humor and I love um, the different pieces of writing. Where is the ideas, do they just come off of your social media when you sort of see conversations start to trend and like you said, the questions in the WhatsApp groups and those documents being sent, how do the ideas actually become real? Definitely a response to, to my own family group and our conversations. We're quite a, quite a diverse bunch in terms of opinion. So there's fairly robust debate there. So I tend to pick up on those threads and some friend groups as well. And then general conversation online. There have been waves of repetitive questions and, and comments. I've done my very, very best not to go into the negatives because at the end of the day, none of us know what the outcome of this pandemic will be. It's very difficult for anyone in a decision-making position to know exactly how to respond. So I've done my best to just keep it as light as possible and talk about, you know, major waxing accidents or pineapple beer blowing up in, in your lounge, as opposed to, to the hardship and the difficult side. Obviously that exists, but, you know, if we read it all day, every day, we're all going to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. I must ask you, you started off the interview by talking about your first two weeks of lockdown and how incredibly difficult they were from a psychological point of view. Where are we now in your mind? We're now in week five or six and obviously your mm-hmm. writing is keeping everybody happy and, and we, we're waiting for your next piece. I'm going to ask you about that now, what's coming next. But how's, how's your head? How's things going for you right now? It's changed a lot. Um, I'll tell you one of the reasons that it changed. I reread a book called The Choice by Edith Eager. And it's a concentration camp survival story. And the, the conditions that she and her sister experienced are so much worse than what we're experiencing now. But her survival mentality and t- technique, um, I think, is very much what we could or should try and align with. And that is not to try and give this an end date, not to work towards it'll be 21 days or we'll go back to school in the first week of June. We don't know. And if we keep setting ourselves up for disappointment, we're going to keep going through these radical highs and lows and become disappointed in, in the outcome. If we can try to focus on what brings us joy, what makes us laugh, what are the benefits to kind of family time or connection? Once we've slowed down, did we get to learn or do things that were different to the way we did them prior? I have a boyfriend in Johannesburg who I don't know when I'll see again. So in the first few weeks, that absolutely, that was soul destroying for a while, thinking we've just, you know, wonderful relationship. Now I might see him again next year, Easter, like it's a bit hectic. <laughs> we kind of adapt these relationships. My parents are up the road. I miss them every day. But we have, when we do connect, if it's a drive-by after a shopping trip or a Zoom party, they're beautiful moments and we appreciate them deeply. In this book, The Choice, the author is a dancer, a professional dancer, before she goes into a concentration camp. And she continues dancing and it saves her. So I think we've all got that in us, whether it's writing, dancing, making pineapple beer, whatever that distraction is, whatever it feeds your soul, I think it might be what will keep us from, you know, from the dark side. Good God. When I organized this interview, I did not know that you were also inspirational. I thought you were just funny. I've got a lump in my throat because I can relate to everything that you're saying. Uh, you need to find what, what sets your soul on fire and you need to try keep that fire burning during this time. I've been so incredibly blessed to have Good Things Guide, to just keep my mind. I, I, I'm at my desk every day writing, editing, putting work out there. And it's, it's for me, the lockdown's been pretty easy in that regard, is that I've had my mind that was absorbed by something else. So I can completely relate to what you're saying. Absolutely. I think if we focus on 
what the rules are and what we're losing every single day. And we are, we, we're all fundamentally losing. We're losing financially. Uh, we're losing contact with people we love. But if that's our focus every day and a countdown to when we're going to suddenly be set free, we're going to disappoint ourselves. So yeah, I think pick out the good books, find the music you love, unearth old albums that you know made you dance wildly in the 90s. I think that's where we need to go to get through. Kim, what's the next piece? I, I want to know what you're working on so that we, we can know what we have to look forward to. It's halfway done already. I had the absolute horror of my credit card has expired. And that's such a, a, a middle-class drama to have. But we're very reliant, obviously, on online orders at the moment. And the Checkers 60 app is like, you know, those are my best friends. <laughs> so I can't have the credit card be expired. So I eventually, I said to my kids, today is the day I've got to go and, and do this. I didn't know that it was a two-hour process of queuing. So I've been fairly isolated other than my runs in the last few days. Definitely haven't had the trauma of a crowd for a very long time. And there we were in the security managed queue, all individuals of every, of every kind and sort and age and with different banking needs being herded in our two to three meter gaps. Health and safety arrived. The queue had to be redirected out the door. So it was wrapping itself around Cavendish. The bank staff didn't know how to like, deal with it. So they were just spraying people's hands. I think my hands were sprayed seven times. Everyone had different masks on because you, can't, you aren't allowed in the mall without a mask. And that was entertaining. The one guy had a long sock wrapped around his face. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's definitely not going to save you from COVID. You know? <laughs> and obviously, during the queuing process, you look around and I could see who she was going to be. Karen had to. And at some stage, she blew up whilst the vast majority were queuing with grace and patience, which is well known to many South Africans who have to queue on a daily basis for just about everything. There was general peace and kind of acceptance. But Karen had to speak to someone who knew what they were talking about. And by the end of the two hours, we all knew, I think we pretty much knew what her bank balance was by the time we left there. So that's definitely going to come into the next piece. I'm so excited to get it and to read it and to put it out there. I'm very thankful that you allow us to promote your, your writing. I think it's absolutely incredible. Are you going to be opening up your own blog? Is there going to be perhaps somewhere where there's a central source for all of these stories? And actually, before I even ask that question, I think you should. So tell me, what's next? Uh, yeah, I would like to. I made a promise to a friend who passed away last year after 18 months fighting lung cancer that I would write a book. He had no idea at the time that any of this would, would happen. And I think I need to keep that promise. So perhaps before it goes electronic, I need to find a way of getting something into print. It's a promise made and I, I'll, I'll keep it. Love, love, love. Kim, if people want to um, catch up with you or find you on Facebook or on any social media sites, because they have to follow you, you guys, you have to follow her. She will put a smile on your face and her writing is incredible. Where do they go? Um, so I'll, I'll retweet any republished stories. I went back to Twitter reluctantly, but I'm having quite a bit of fun on there now. That's Ultra Mama Cape, uh, Cape as in Cape Town. And um, obviously my Facebook stuff is all published on public setting. It's Kim Nicholas Stevens, and they're welcome to hit a follow or friend. I've got an increasing number of new friends from around the world, which has been great for conversation. I'm on Instagram, but that's, you know, you know it's not a great time for Instagram. We all look hideous. So um, I'll show that We'll post level one when we can go back to hairdressers. <laughs> Kim, thank you so much for coming onto the show today. And uh, I wish you all the best during this lockdown. And again, I can't wait for all your writings to come out. 
Thank you so much again for the support and stay well and inspired and hopefully we keep laughing. That's it. Wishing you only good things. And for more good things, visit www.goodthingsguy.com. Okay? Love you. Bye.